0: to return. God, we love you. Amen. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. <laughs> Happy Friday. Hope College, the last Friday of March. I was told we got 35 days. Is that right? 35 days till May 3rd, including Easter. Which, find me, find me right here. It means that we just have this short little window together. And we got to find each other. Let's live it well. Let's live it passionately. Let's worship. Let's study. Let's finish the work. Let's run the race. 35 days. It'll go by like that. Hey, we've got some visitors at Hope College. We want to welcome you here right now. We know uh, juniors, I believe. Juniors, you're taking a look at colleges. And we're so grateful that you're here at Hope. And here's some, one unsolicited thought is don't, don't, choose, don't just choose a bumper sticker. Choose a people. And I, I'm, I'm partial, but that doesn't make me wrong. Um, <laughs> choose hope, it'd be great. We, we love you, we're glad you're here um, to take a look and root yourself in the soil of hope. And one of the people that I'm really excited that you get to meet today is one of the people who's recently chosen to root his life in the soil of hope. Dr. Matt Jansen, who's the director of the Emmaus Scholars Program, is gonna share a little bit of his story. Would you please welcome Dr. Jansen? <laughs>
1: Good morning, Hope College. Welcome to our visitors. As Trigg said, my name is Matt Jansen, and I'm the faculty director of the Emmaus Scholars Program here at Hope. For those of you who might not know, the Emmaus Scholars Program, or Emmaus for short, uh, is a living learning community here on campus that combines the practices of intentional Christian community with coursework and immersion experiences that explore the relationship between faith and justice in our society. Uh, Emmaus students live together in three cottages on 15th Street, participating in communal practices of prayer and shared meals, serving in the community, doing coursework, and going on a great spring break trip to D.C. that we just got back from. So this is my first year as the Emmaus director, and uh, I might be a relatively new face to many of you, that is, unless you've had me in class or had the misfortune of being defeated on the intramural soccer field last fall. Shout out Crystal Palace FC, Alex Co. I see you right there. <laughs> now, uh, Trigg thought it might be a good idea, since I am relatively new, to tell you a little bit of my story, uh, who I am, how I got to be here, and maybe what that might have to do with following Jesus. Uh, I actually think it's kind of an interesting story, so here goes. Now, last summer I was living in Durham, North Carolina, the Bull City, with my wife Amy, yes, Durham, with my wife Amy, our three-year-old Luke, and our three-month-old Will. I'm not going to lie, life in Durham was pretty fantastic. Uh, I had just graduated with my doctorate in theology and ethics from one of the best divinity schools in the world, in my opinion, let's go Duke, Uh, and I had an offer to stay on for another year and do a postdoc. We were living in an amazing city, and in the nine years that we had lived there, we had made some of the best friends you could ever ask for. Our lives had also been joyously enriched and turned upside down by our participation in the shared church life of Durham Presbyterian Church and Iglesia Manuel, a beautifully small and struggling community of people who are black, white, and Latinx, young and old, developmentally disabled, and formerly and sometimes currently incarcerated all seeking together the fullness of life in Jesus. Now, through our church's attempts to seek relational justice and committed intimacy with our neighbors in the city of Durham, I had become the co-chair of one of the largest broad-based community organizations in the state, working with a diverse group of institutions and leaders to address the most pressing issues facing low- and middle-income people in our community. In short, life was good. Life was meaningful. Life was full And we fully expected to have a relatively uneventful year where we could enjoy our life in Durham and focus our energy and attention on welcoming Will into our family and navigating our first year uh, of life as parents of two little boys. And yet that's not how it worked out. Because you see, just as the heat of the North Carolina summer was really cranking up, our brand new air conditioning unit quit on us, and we found ourselves on an unexpected vacation to West Michigan to beat the heat while it got repaired. And while we were here, what I can only describe as a series of unexpected events took place, at the end of which I found myself walking into interviews with Provost Short Thompson and Dean Visser wearing the nicest clothes that I had with me on vacation, flip-flops, jeans, and a (laughs) t-shirt, and ultimately accepting an offer to come and direct the EMAEA Scholars Program here at HOPE. The chance to lead a program at a college that we held in such high regard where students would have the opportunity to build intentional relationships with each other while exploring the biggest questions about faith, justice, calling, and vocation, it was just too good to pass up. And we felt like God was calling us to take this surprising leap. So we returned to North Carolina and frantically began trying to figure out how best to abruptly walk away from the life in Durham that we had spent nearly a decade building and move across the country to a place where we knew almost no one all with a toddler and an infant in tow. Leaving Durham felt like ejecting out of a fighter jet at 800 miles per hour, and true to the metaphor, our arrival in Holland felt a lot like parachuting into unfamiliar territory and hitting the ground hard. Now, like I said, we had a strong sense that this was the right move for us to make. We really believed that coming to Holland and joining Hope was part of the way that our calling to follow Jesus was manifesting in our lives. But that doesn't mean that it was easy, or that we've never had any doubts. I'll be honest, there have been days when I've been trying to walk through my office through 30 feet of snow when the wind chill was about negative a (laughs) million, or when I've been lying on the bathroom floor experiencing one of these wonderful West Michigan superviruses that my kid brings home from daycare, (laughs) and I've asked myself, why did I do this? And that's actually the question that I want us to reflect on this morning. Why did we walk away from everything we had in Durham to throw ourselves into the unknown, to take a chance on Hope College and the Emmaus Scholars Program? Why did I do this? One way to answer the question, I think, would be to say that this kind of thing just runs in my family. On my dad's side, I'm descended from a long line of Mennonites. Now, if you know anything about Mennonites, you might know that they're a Christian pacifist tradition. That is, they believe that following Jesus requires Christians to renounce the use of violence, and they've historically been willing to endure a lot in order to be faithful to that commitment. They didn't just talk the talk about nonviolence, they walked the walk, sometimes literally. Because you see, in order to avoid being conscripted into military service, my ancestors migrated some 2,000 miles across Eastern Europe and into Central Asia, eventually winding up in Uzbekistan, only to turn around and travel back across Europe and most of the United States to settle in Beatrice, Nebraska. The town where my grandfather was born. My grandpa Ted served in the civilian public service during the Second World War because he was a registered conscientious objector, and he participated in one of the first peace marches in Washington, D.C. against the war in Vietnam, long before that was a fashionable thing to do. Now, on my mom's side, her parents spent a lifetime going where they heard God's call, serving in just about every kind of Christian ministry or nonprofit that you could imagine. When he was not much older than many of you, my grandpa Bob moved from South Carolina to work for the YMCA in New York City's Hell's Kitchen. Since then, he and my grandmother June have both spent the last 60 years working for church and various nonprofits, moving all over the East Coast as they have felt God's call to different ministries and organizations. Now, I could keep going, but you probably get the point. Suffice it to say, when it comes to picking up everything and going where you think God is calling you, there's a good deal of precedent for that in my family. So one way to answer the question of why I did what I did in moving to Hope this summer is to say, I got it from my family. But I think that raises another question. Where did my family get it from? This one's a little easier to answer. They got it from the Bible. Have you ever stopped to think about how often in Scripture somebody's having to move somewhere unfamiliar in order to follow the call of God? What are the first words that God says to Abraham in the book of Genesis in the very first moment when God is launching God's plan to rescue humanity through the election of Israel? It's not, hey, Abram, how's it going? Or Abram, it's God. Listen, can we talk? No, God cuts right to the chase. Genesis 12 says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, if I was Abram in that moment, I might have been tempted to say, uh, new phone, who dis? <laughs> but Abram doesn't say anything like that. In fact, he doesn't say anything at all. The text just says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. And this pattern gets repeated all throughout the new, through scripture, Right? God gives a similar command to Isaac in Genesis 26 and Jacob in Genesis 31. And then in the New Testament, in Matthew 4, when Jesus calls four fishermen to be his disciples, Peter and Andrew and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, he just says, follow me. And the text says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, how do you think Zebedee felt standing there holding his nets while the boys abandoned the family business to go run around with some itinerant rabbi? And what's the whole second half of the book of Acts about? It's about the Holy Spirit pushing Paul and his various traveling companions all over the Mediterranean world, catching up diverse peoples and languages and cultures in the new thing that God was doing in Jesus Christ. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that I'm like Abraham or Moses or Peter or Paul, or that moving up the road from Durham to Holland is some kind of epic journey of biblical proportions. But what I am saying is that all throughout Scripture, we are introduced to people for whom the call of God requires risk, requires giving up the safe and the comfortable, requires going to be in unfamiliar places with unfamiliar people, and all this not because risk, discomfort, and suffering are good things in and of themselves. They're not. But because the Spirit of God is at work in those places, realizing the redemption of all things accomplished in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what this all finally boils down to. It's not about Matt Jansen moving to Holland. It's not about a crazy bunch of Mennonites trekking halfway across the world. It's not even ultimately about Abram following God's call or Peter abandoning his nets or Paul spending most of his adult life spreading the gospel all over the Roman Empire. Rather, the basis of the dislocating, uncomfortable call of God to go and be with those very different from ourselves is the fact that God has taken this call onto God's self that God and Jesus Christ has done this very thing already, setting aside the familiarity of perfect, eternal, Trinitarian fellowship between Father, Son, and Spirit in order to engage in the drama of creation, and then to join God's self to this creation in Jesus of Nazareth in order to redeem it and draw it into God's own life. As the Swiss theologian Karl Barth said, God has willed from all eternity to be a God that goes into the far country. In Jesus Christ, God has gone into a strange land to join God's self to strange people like you and me. And in Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, God has made it possible for you and me to do the same. To go to places we did not think we would be going, to be with people we did not think we would be with, to undertake callings and vocations that we did not think we would have. What a challenge, but what a gift. Let's pray. Jesus, send your spirit to be with us today. Go before us as we leave and push us out into the world that you have turned upside down in your resurrection. Amen.